Howdy and welcome to the Our Lady of the Cry Room podcast. A podcast about farming, family, and faith. With my parents, Betsy and Matthew. Hello and welcome to Our Lady of the Cry Room, episode two. Here we are again, Betsy. What do you think? Well, I feel better this week. Okay, that's good. Um, do you know what we're talking about this week? Well, it's always the same three things, right? What did we do this last week? It was a kind of a crazy week because I was doing the play down in Liberal. Right. So I was gone every single night. So it was kind of weird because I was groggy every morning and then didn't see anybody after five. So what happened? Anything? Oh, we, we had sausage and sauerkraut without you on Monday. That was fun. Anna made it herself. She was very proud of that. And, um... We had yum bowls one evening because you don't like those. I mean, it was pretty pretty relaxed for us. We had piano lessons on Wednesday night. Um, Friday night, we didn't do Stations of the Cross because you weren't here. Um, and then the weekend just feels like it just passed in a busy blur, which always makes me cranky. But we're ready to start another week now, I guess. And this week is not going to be any less crazy than last week. That's the sad thing. You don't think? No. Because it's Holy Week or well, some yeah, other reason? Well, it's Holy Week and there's something every single night. So 4-H, and then I have two rehearsals for a different musical, Tuesday and Thursday. Wednesday, you guys have lessons? We don't have lessons, but we'll go see my dad. And then... What's Friday? Friday is... You don't have any rehearsals on Friday? So no. we don't have anything scheduled on Friday. So I told Anna maybe we could celebrate my birthday on Friday. Oh, that's happening this week, isn't it? Right. Happy birthday tomorrow. Yes. I knew all about it. I know. But there's really not any time to celebrate it before maybe Friday. And then Saturday we'll go to Vigil. And then Sunday everybody will be here for Easter. That's why you should always have your birthday on a day when nobody goes to work or to school ever. Right. I planned ahead. Yeah, it was very smart of you being born on Christmas Eve. My birthday usually gets lost in the shuffle of many things. But I thought that was just because I was the mama. So do you think you want to celebrate your birthday on Good Friday? Because that seems like, are we even allowed to celebrate birthdays uh, on Good Friday? I mean, every year I look at the calendar and when my birthday doesn't fall on Good Friday, I'm happy because that's the worst. But I don't know. I mean, the kids really will want to have some sort of celebration. And I don't know when it else could possibly happen. We could push it further away after Easter. But <laughs> then you really risk just forgetting about it entirely. Yeah, this is a bad week to have your birthday. Yeah. Well, it's 4-H. Will you just skip 4-H? No, we can't. Anna's secretary. It's important. And you get to be secretary, or me, because it's parents' night. I'll probably do it, because it's your birthday. That does seem really, really crummy to have to do (laughs) that on your birthday. I don't know why. So parents' night is a new thing. Parents' night is when they make the parents do the jobs of the kids in 4-H. They might have done it when I was in 4-H, like I remember. Oh, you just don't remember. Okay. I don't rem- I mean, just because I don't remember it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Oh, okay. I have a really bad memory. Okay. I don't know if you've noticed. Yeah, I wouldn't say. This might I, be news to you. I wouldn't say that you had a bad memory. Well, it's just certain, some things just get lost and. Yes. I, there's just stuff about my childhood and it's like, I don't remember. Yeah. I would say that I have a bad memory. I wouldn't say that you did. So yeah. there you go. So maybe just it's remember just. remember different things. Maybe everybody feels that way about themselves. All right. Well, should we get started on our. Yes. Three Fs or four Fs? On the, Fs? the format. So on the farm, it was a hard week on the farm. 
It was a lousy week on the farm. Uh, Good neighbors sold out, had their farm auction. They're retiring, quote unquote, which is a polite way of saying things aren't working out and they got to get out. And God must have thought so too, because my goodness, that was the most miserable weather for an auction I have ever been to in my entire (laughs) life. And I've been to auctions in just about blizzard conditions, more than one. And this was worse. It was the high temperature was 40 degrees at like nine in the morning and it rained steady the whole time. And so by the end of the auction, you're just standing in six inches of mud and it was terrible and it was sad and everybody was sad because they're kind of a institution around here. Yeah, they really are just kind to everyone. And yeah, I mean, they're just the best neighbors to everybody. And I don't, it's just, it doesn't seem right that they're not going to be farming. Yeah. So really, I was feeling very discouraged. Like maybe, you know, we should be selling out and doing this. But then it occurred to me that we want to farm and that's a good enough reason. Well, that's kind of the only reason, I guess, isn't it? Right. I mean, this is, we want to do this. So I don't, I don't make decisions in any other area of my life based on money. So just because maybe it would be wiser to sell out now than in two years, you know, I want to farm. So let's keep trying until we just really can't. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody else at the auction, all the other farmers, they, <laughs> we all felt the same way. I mean, you just talk to them and you just talk and it's obvious that they feel the exact same way is like, I mean, should we be here and not be on the other end of this auction? Everybody's just had two terrible years in a row. And, and the other problem is, you know, here in Southwest Kansas, um, you know, we had the good years that everybody talks about in ag and, oh, well, and even people around here will talk about it like that. We had the worst drought in recorded history in Southwest Kansas during the quote unquote good years, 2008 to 2012, 13, whatever. We were drier than we were in the Dust Bowl. And it's just, it's, you look back and it's like, I wonder why I didn't make any money. Oh, that's why we had zero dry land crops. I mean, that, that was the only time I ever just didn't even cut any Milo. Mm-hmm. And um, we were just watering everything up, just watering hard all year. Yields were off because we couldn't keep up on the water. And we were paying so much money for the irrigation gas that we didn't really make a whole lot of money in Southwest Kansas like they did in the I states. Right. So to have that and then have, you know, well, boy, I said two years, but really 13 was bad, 14. I mean, it's been like four, four bad years. And it just seems like every year is worse than the one before you. It's like it just keeps getting worse. Right. So we're just going to do it as long as we can. And I, I decided to just be happy about that. Like, we're just going to enjoy it this year and see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, well, I would enjoy it more if I could get some actual work done ever, but I keep not getting yeah. work done. So, but this week you were doing a lot of musical. Makes it hard to. It was the auction, right? Plus, it was raining, so right. I mean, we got another inch and a what? We got another over an inch here, close to two inches over east, on top of the five and a half inches we'd got the week before. So, I mean, everything's just wet, and you can't really do much anyway. Right. Yes, I have to remind myself that I am thankful for muddy puddles, even when my bathtub has a giant ring of mud around it and the boys get soaked and Katie 
just absolutely filthy every day. But I'm glad that they can play in muddy puddles. I am glad. I have to remind myself. I'm thankful for washing machines. And that I don't care a whole lot about their clothes. Like they can just get in the mud in their pajamas or their clothes. It washes out. Yeah. It does seem kind of weird that they go play in the mud in their pajamas. But I guess when I was a kid, we probably would have just gone and played in the mud in our underwear. So I guess we're making progress generally, generationally. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like why would I make them change out of one outfit to put on another outfit to get filthy? It just seems crazy. Choose which outfit you want to get destroyed today. It doesn't really make a yeah. difference. They'll both go in the washing machine. Right. So, you know, it saves that number of minutes. I can just say, yes, go outside right now while it's warm and swim around in the mud. So I do have a couple pieces of farming feedback from our last episode. Okay. Okay. One was Kent asked, what is the difference between disking and strip till? Should I try to answer it? Sure. Okay, so strip till is when you plow up just one little strip of ground enough to plant it, like, but maybe not one at a time. Maybe you do 10 at a time. You're pulling something behind you that... 8, 12, cuts 16, up. 24. That number of little lines in the ground at a time. And disking, you're cutting the ground and you've got disks, circles, that are cutting up all the ground, not just one little strip. Yeah, you're basically doing five to ten inch strips every 30 inches on strip till, whereas a disc is you're just tilling everything. Tilling. I knew plowing wasn't the right word, but tilling. Well. Can you also say plowing? If you want. No, there's no rules. Okay. People will act like there's rules, but there's not. Don't tell anybody. Because, I mean, another word for a disc is a disc plow. Right. But in or my mind, harrow. plowing or, is I mean, deeper than Yeah, plowing is definitely deeper. You know, a traditional plow, you're tilling. I mean, you're just picking up 12 inches of soil and dumping it over upside down. Whereas a disc, you have concave discs that are going at an angle through the soil and just sort of disturbing all the soil. And in a strip till operation, you just usually just have one main tillage shank that's running through the ground in a straight line. That's the first piece of feedback. The second piece of feedback comes from Matthew, who thought about more about what he was talking about doing with his little strip till light or whatever, and he decided that is a bad idea, and he's not going to do it. Okay. So the podcast is already benefiting the operation. Well, I mean, that and it's already August or April 9th. I mean, my goodness, I don't have time to do all this. Yeah. Because I'm getting nothing done. But the main thing is that I was thinking about is the trouble with what I want to do is I can't get those. If I'm just running a coulter where I'm going to plant, I can't get that coulter deep enough that I feel comfortable going back and planting in that strip of super rich fertilized ground. Because what you end up with, especially on the phosphorus side, is just this thin little strip of really, really fertilized ground. And then a bunch of places where it's not fertilized. And then you put those little seeds in there right in that fertilizer and you might have a disaster. What would the disaster be? That they would not sprout because they're sitting in fertilizer and not in soil. So because it's too chemically? It's, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it just becomes, t- you know, everything, you know, the difference between a poison and a medicine is dosage. And the same is true with fertilizer. So... And especially when it's at the seedling stage, it, it, you know, you can put fertilizer down with the seed as you plant, but you're really limited to about 
five gallons of 1034. I've heard rumor that I know people that have gone up to like eight, but they were really nervous doing it and they don't, they don't recommend it just cause they didn't sleep good that night. But, um, it's just that much concentrated fertilizer right where the seeds at right at the beginning. You know, if the roots are growing into it, it's fine because they'll grow around it if they have to, or, you know, the roots are going out. It's not affecting the plant at its very beginning. And, you know, it's the same reason, well, you know, why you, you can drink alcohol and be okay, but maybe you shouldn't as much when you're pregnant because you have a tiny little baby that's just starting out. It's the same kind of thing. Okay. And so like normal strip till rigs, they're putting that, that concentrated strip of fertilizer down, like, you know, at least four inches and probably some of them more like six. And then you're planting, you know, two inches deep. Well, my coulter rig, it's going to put it down maybe, maybe two inches. I don't know that I can get any deeper that I come back and plant right at two inches. I might have a disaster where nothing comes up. So that would be bad. I want to avoid Yeah, we that. try to avoid where things don't total crop failure. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not going to do that. So I'm thinking that, well, I need to get in touch with the AgriLiant people and make sure that they're okay putting their plot in complete no-till, which I think they will because honestly, their planner is so much nicer than mine. It's ridiculous. So I think they'll be okay with it, but we'll see. So the plan now is probably just to do nothing before I, other than, you know, I'll probably fill tracks, but just do nothing between now and when I plant the corn. And fill tracks is when you go through and there's big ruts from where the sprinklers go through the ground and you just sort of smush the dirt back over to fill in the ruts. Yeah. And that's a whole other issue where are you actually doing yourself any good by filling those tracks or not? And I don't know, but it is something to do and it makes you feel better about life because you feel like you're doing something. Right. And it does make it easier to go over with the planter without those big. Well, and it seems like if you don't, aren't you going to end up just running your sprinkler way down into the ground and then oh, really? can't change you your know, tires there's only so or so much you can compact soil before it stops compacting anymore. So once you get them deep enough, you know, you'd probably be all right. I don't know. On, uh, on uh, alfalfa ground, a lot of times they'll just get sand and put sand in the wheel tracks because they don't want to, they can't really use a track closer. And so they'll just fill the wheel tracks with sand, but that gets pretty pricey hauling sand out to do. Yeah. Take something like 20 to 30 loads to do a circle. Wow. Semi loads of sand. So it's, it's not a cheap thing. Yeah. That's, that's an expensive option. So you're going to fix the four wheeler and do you think you're <laughs> no, going to plant this week? No, I'm never going to fix the four wheeler. I'm going to put another part. And if I'm lucky, I ordered the right part this time, but who knows? And I'm going to wait around for that part to come. I'm going to put that part on and then I'm going to find something else that is broken and wait another four days to get that part and probably have to order another specialized tool to put that part on. So the four wheelers, I, it's, it's just, just never an get it ongoing fixed. project. <laughs> four wheelers. Yeah, just so I, I kind of need it to work right about now. And it's just not, well, you're making progress on the four wheeler just I? as you made progress on the website. Am I? Um, but the other thing I forgot is like, I can, I always forget about dryland crops because I also grow dryland crops. So, I also am going to be planting dryland corn. Right. And the dryland corn, I might, I probably won't do this week as long as this uh, rain in the forecast holds out. But probably the week after that, which will be play week for Little Shop of Horrors, I will probably try to get my dryland corn in the ground. 
That's going to be a busy week. Because we have all this moisture right now. And what the fear is that it'll dry out and, you know, it'll dry out from the top down and you want to make sure you get this dry land corn to come out of the ground while you have the moisture to get it out of the ground. So. Right. You need to sprout it. It's more of a hurry. The other thing is that, um, because I'm doing no-till, especially in the dry land, I really have to, you know, you have to spray in a pretty timely manner after it rains because it rains all the weeds sprout and then you need to hit them when they're little, when they're easy to kill. And so I'll have to spray that ground anyway. So I might as well just put the corn in the ground and spray it all at one time instead of having to make two more passes. So I will most definitely, most probably be uh, planting dryland corn in the next two weeks, depending on if we, if it just keeps raining and raining, I might never get it planted, but who knows. Okay. So that's it for the farm this week? Yeah, that's pretty good. Okay. What's the second thing that we talk about? Family. Any family feedback? Jimmy put on his clothes. Yeah, he? he did. We did all that talking, talking him down, and he just did yeah. it. So. Yeah, and then he's been wanting to do it because I gave him a chocolate if he did it. So now he refused help so that he could get a chocolate. But have you thought about maybe if you said, well, you have to put on your clothes before you can play in the mud, that might give him some incentive too. But again, you have the problem of, I don't really want to wash all these clothes. Right. So. But that's good. Um. So. So here's a here's a family dilemma, okay? There, when when we're busy and things are hectic, it makes me feel grouchy. So what is the balance between ordering your life so that we have quiet time at home to get all everything done and be peaceful, and you have to just be calm and peaceful even though life is not? So maybe you should just be calm and peaceful. So how much can you, I mean, how much should you not do outside things when you have five children? What kind of outside things? I mean, like this, this weekend, we went to a play and spent all day today in town. Right. But should I have not done the play? Should I not be doing music or? No, I don't. It it matters when I am away from home. It because doesn't matter if I'm gone. This is like, pff, daddy, who cares about that? Well, no, it's just that there's a tremendous amount of maintenance to do when you're running a family with seven people. And so when I'm gone, all that backs up. And then that makes me start to feel panicked. Like I feel worried about this week coming up because I didn't have a weekend really to get ready for this week. And so I don't know, but then I'm, I am accused sometimes of just not ever wanting to do anything. And who would accuse you of that? I don't know. No, people, people accuse me of that. And so I don't know how to find the balance between doing stuff and not doing stuff because it really is difficult to keep up with the work of seven people, just the dishes and the laundry and the you know, planning and the grocery shopping. We've got Easter dinner and we don't have groceries for the week right now. And we have laundry put away, but I'm pretty sure there's a lot already to do. And we didn't get the sheets changed yet, you know. And it's not like any of it's really pressing, but you have to do it all. And we do have to get the groceries for Easter dinner and plan Easter dinner and Easter baskets. And is there going to be an Easter egg hunt? And when are we going to dye eggs? There are a lot of logistics to plan out, and I didn't get to do any of that this weekend. You can make Susan and Stephen get the groceries for Easter dinner. And then when do they bring them out here? Oh, at their own leisure. Right. They I mean, have see, to figure it out then. It's still logistics to figure out. No, but we don't have to figure it out then. 
They'll figure it out. They just come and put them in our... Anyway, I think that we're doing as well as we can be with not doing things because we not do a lot of things. Right. But the problem is that like I like playing for the musicals. Yes. And And I don't think you should not do that. But if I put that much time into something, Uh I really want you to come see it. Right. That's the problem. So it's my fault because I guess it's narcissism, a need for affirmation from Betsy. No. So come and say, that sounded good. You did a good job. No, it's all right. I just, I don't know how, I think I need to figure out how to not be panicked by not having enough time to get everything done. Right. But I have always been this way. My mom told me that I had always been concerned about having enough time. Like this is always, I would say, but there's not enough time. So in my ideal world, I don't know, there would be a lot of time. Well, I feel the same way about the farm. Every day, I feel like I add like two things to my to-do list and I get, if I'm lucky, one thing done. Except this week, I averaged maybe one thing for the whole week. Right. In that I changed those axles on the four-wheeler and then found out that the other thing was broken. And that's really all I got done. Well, other than, you know, going to the auction and picking up my stuff from the auction, that sort of thing. Right. And um, and you worked on the website, the farm website, which is important. Uh, and Not really. Mainly, I just figured out what I had done wrong when I moved it to the new computer. Right. But I mean, like that amount of time figuring that out, you were going to have to do that. It's not like that time was that you were going to have to go through that. So dumb. I wouldn't, it wouldn't have to take, but you are that dumb. And the same with the way with the four wheeler, (laughs) if I had ordered the right, the parts for the right model year four wheeler, the first time I wouldn't have had to do the axles twice and wait two weeks instead of one week. Right. So mistakes feel very costly. Yeah. And I make a lot of them. I think we all do. No, just me. But it just feels like the margins are very small right now. Yeah. And then it takes a long time to drive to liberal. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know, but it does. Especially if you multiply it by six. Right. In a single week. And then here we're coming up on Holy Week and in my ideal mind, you know, there would be lots of time at home and we would, we would watch stuff together. Well, that's the problem with this Good Friday is we can't take the girls out of school because Anna's have her band tour, which is, we can't do that. Yeah. Tour. And so I feel like we're already behind and I don't know how to make this week be peaceful and holy and fun. to put all our eggs on Holy Saturday, right? I mean, it's. That's the only day, right? Well, yes, except, but we really are going to have to be getting ready for Easter on Holy Saturday. No. Why? So when do we get ready for Easter? What, what does getting ready for Easter mean? Um, we have to, usually we do some pre-cooking. Uh, we have to change the no decorations pre-cooking. in the house. No pre-cooking because cause we're going to vigil. Uh-huh. And so, you know, we'll wake up Sunday morning. Your family is notoriously late for dinner engagements, and we'll do all the cooking. Filling the Easter baskets, filling the eggs. Yep, Sunday morning. Well, you can't fill the baskets on Sunday morning. The children have to find them when they wake up. Oh, well, we'll just... (laughs) Plus, we probably are going to have to do some cleaning before everybody comes to our house for Easter on Sunday. We'll make everybody, (laughs) uh, when they walk in the door, we'll give them a room to clean. (laughs) But... Actually, cleaning the house is a traditional Holy Saturday occupation. Ugh, that's terrible. I think that is years of practical mamas. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, you know what no. is a good part of Holy that is Saturday? A scam. <laughs> that's a scam right there. <laughs> but it's true. I read it in a book. 
So traditionally, but I'll say, but you do a little pre-cooking, you do the Easter baskets. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of work this week and I don't know when it's going to happen, but I need to maintain a calm, cheerful attitude. I don't know how to do that. Would you always? I do it a lot better when there aren't toys on the floor. The toys on the floor make me feel like, like outer order contributes to inner calm. That's one thing, as Gretchen Rubin says. And the other part is when there are toys on the floor, I really feel like a failure as a parent because the children aren't, aren't um, valuing their possessions. Like if they were, you know, good people don't leave things that they like on the floor. And so then I feel like I'm not teaching them to pick up after themselves. I'm not teaching them to be considerate or to, they're just spoiled because they have all these things. They just leave them out everywhere. But they're really pretty small still. Yeah. I mean, Teddy is more like, there's something, I'm going to dump it and find something else. Right. And Harry is getting to the stage where he will pull things out and leave them scattered. Right. The things he can't fit into his mouth. Yeah. And choke on. No, he's not choking. Right. So. Not for lack of opportunity. Right. He's, I've pulled more things out of his mouth than any of the other children. And I don't know if he puts more things into his mouth or if it's just he's number five and we're busy with so much other stuff. I think it's a busy thing. I think there's just more, but I feel like between Teddy and Harry, we managed to accumulate just an incredible amount of very small toys. Right. Well, it's because of all those potty toys for Jimmy. Yeah. So I just don't even know, like we need to just make a big box that's we can lock out from Harry and just put every single thing we find that is too small in it. Right. Well, before he started crawling, I sorted out and we were supposed to only have jumbo animals upstairs. But then when we cleaned the basement, now Harry's down here too. So we really do need to go through. But Jimmy is going to revolt if we take all of his tiny animals. But maybe he'll be okay. We'll just explain about the choking. I think he's got enough stuff going on, but eh, you can't count Jimmy out. He's pretty on the ball about... Oh, if something is, disappears, where, he will know. Yeah, where is my... Um, ground turtle. My, that was this week. A lot of things going on with ground turtle. Did I tell you about how uh, the dog, Chris's dog had taken his... I forget. He had a specific... It was a, a frog, a certain kind of Tree frog, climber frog. Tree climber frog and buried it under my tractor. Yes. And he insisted, and I actually did climb under the tractor on my back and try to dig out where Bernie had dug to see if I could find it, and I could not. And there was weeping. Yeah. It was very sad. Yeah. He's very attached to those animals. Right. Well, they have whole backstories, and and all, there's a lot going on in Jimmy's head all the time. And he pretty much expects you to follow it. Well, why wouldn't you? Even if, you know... 90% of it doesn't come out. Or maybe it does and I'm just not paying attention. I don't know. But there are also climbing cows. Did you know that? I didn't know about the climbing cows. I don't think that's what they're called, though. But there's a certain kind of cow that climbs things. Like, I don't think... Are they visible or I don't think it's a, invisible cows? They're not invisible like the invisible piggies. I don't... Can I see them? And I don't think it's an actual kind of cow that I just don't know about. I think that it's an I've imaginary never heard kind of, of cow. Of climbing cows. I'll tell you that right now. But as to whether there are in fact climbing cows, I don't really know. I for right. certain. Well, I think one of the small plastic cows is a climber climber cow. That's climber what they're cow? called. Climber cow. And 
what is different about climber cows? Just they climb stuff? Yeah, they climb uh, the plants in the house. Plants in the house. So they're so. responsible for all the destruction of the plants. The right. House. Yeah. And Jimmy asked cows. if the bucket calf was going to be a climber cow. <laughs> and I said, no. You do know that the busiest we ever get, we're going to get a call and say, hey, come pick up your bucket calf. <coughs> Right. And then, I mean, I just keep hearing that echo in my head of every two hours, feed the calf every two hours. Surely that was an exaggeration, right? And that can't be forever. I mean, you don't even feed a baby every two hours forever. So you can't have to feed the cow every two hours all the way to the fair, the calf. No, not all of it, for sure. No, and you only have to keep it. I mean, and honestly, most people don't even keep it on a bottle as long as we will, but we will because the rules say you have to for 30 days. But after that, I mean, they'll pretty much take care of themselves other than Anna needs to work with it every day. Right. And when we say work with it, do you know what that means? Well, you know, you go out and you say, hello, Mr. Calf, how are you today? And I think that's part of the combing, you know, you comb it every day and make sure it's just used to you touching it. Okay. And used to Anna and... Do we have cow combs? Yeah, that's something we'll probably need to get at some okay. point. And do we or need Anna to... will have to get. Right. Or something. I don't know how that works either because... And then do you, do you just blow them out, wash them and blow them out for the fair? Or do you have to do that through the summer yeah, as well? You probably better do it more than just at the fair or else you're really going to have a problem. Okay. I would think, but I don't know. Right. I, I've never raised a calf, ever. I always wanted to do a bucket calf, and my parents always said no. And why did they say no? Do you have any idea? I think because my older siblings did calves and cows, and they did not. They were they were done with that period of their lives by the time they had me. I mean, <laughs> they had been doing 4-H for, you know, by the time I was in 4-H, they'd been doing 4-H for how long? You know, 20, 30 years. So right. They were like, no, we're, no. I think that was was okay, but also I think Dad had cattle back when the older kids were in age, you know. So it was just a natural thing for them to do cows too, right? So, or steers and heifers, not cow. Except that apparently, when Dad took over the farm, there was a twenty head milking herd and all of this stuff. I keep finding out about so, which I knew there were dairy cows. I just didn't know how big. Okay, well, I think that's it for family, huh? Yeah. Anything else? Anna's getting her braces tightened. Yes. Harry is fascinated with the braces. She smiles. He wants to, he can actually got his finger stuck between her tooth in one of the brackets. Ow. Yeah. That seems like, how's Katie? I don't think we talked about Katie. Have we? Yeah, we did. She's coughing tonight. So I suspect she won't make it through this week of school. Okay. She was up late last night, you know, at grandma's and Katie tonight. Like all children are gremlins, like all of them, (laughs) every single one. But Katie is the most gremlin-esque of all of our children. Right. You get her off her schedule, you feed her after midnight, and it's trouble. Yeah. And the rest of the time, she is a really sweet girl. Yeah, she's a cuddly little furball. Right. She's Until happy. Until you make a mistake. Helpful. And, and but... then she's an icky green lizard. <sighs> I never saw that movie, so I, I don't really know. Nightmares. I had nightmares yeah. about that did, movie. You did so. see it? Really? Yes. Yeah, I did. At Chelsea's house. Oh, Chelsea. We watched scary movies at Chelsea's house. I never saw it. I never wanted to see it. I had a book, that I, a picture book that I got at, like uh-huh. the, at the book fair. At the you book know fair, how, right. Yeah. Cause on it, That's what the, the book fair is for. The book fair is all about your children getting books that you would never, ever let them get. But it's the book fair and you feel like you ought to let them pick out a book. Right. 
And so they pick out gremlins and are terrified for the rest of their lives, even though they never even saw the movie because my parents wouldn't have let me see it. So, right. And I feel like now as, as a parent, I feel like I missed out on a valuable uh, life lesson about parenting because I'm assuming that's what the movie is about ultimately is parenthood. Right. Well, I was little enough when I saw it. I I don't know, but it seems like it now. The valuable thing I got from watching Gremlins at Chelsea's house is that I realized I don't like scary movies Ah, yeah. and I don't have to watch them. Mm. So then at any other slumber party, when they started a scary movie, I would just leave and go to another room and read a book. Wow. So that's a pretty good thing to learn. Yeah. I remember even in college being with a bunch of people who watched Fargo and going to another room and reading a book. Yeah, you did do that, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Because I don't like things like that. I kind of wish I had done that too, honestly. <laughs> well, it's just a really powerful sort of uh, personal preference lesson to learn at age eight or nine or whatever. I don't know how old we were when Gremlins came out. Young enough to scare the tar out of you. Yes. So... Faith, you got anything on the worked up for that? I did sister act, so had, you know, two solid weeks of Catholic jokes and Christianity jokes and risque jokes about faith that you're like, I guess, ha 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 ha. Yeah, that that play. I mean, it was very well done and the music was really fun. But a lot of times I felt like, I don't know. I feel a little like this is... It's not the most polite rendition of the faith. Right, right. But, you know, you should have a sense of humor. I think that's important. Right. Not to take anything too seriously. Yeah, and I think that's the main difference between the London version of the musical, the Broadway version, is the toning it down so that it's a little less offensive. Uh, A lot less. Actually, it's a lot less offensive than the London version, but... (laughs) So if you had gotten to liberal the first rehearsal and it was the London version. Well, I didn't know. I thought it was. Right. I mean, I really had no idea because I got there and we just played with, there weren't any singers Uh that night. So I didn't really know what the words, and honestly, it took me a couple run throughs to even notice that, oh, this song title is different. And then, oh, and then, oh, that's a difference. And then the amount of things they changed began to dawn on me. Mm-hmm. Even the songs that they didn't change, they would change lyrics here and there just to tone it down. And I, you know, it's just one of those things I was raised, you know, there's something in my mom that su- always surprises people that don't know her. But if, when the arts are concerned, anything goes as far as what I was raised, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, you're reading for a play and there's a lot of cuss words. You just go ahead and read it like it's written because it's art. Uh And she wouldn't say it that way, but that's really how she approached it. Okay. So that was sort of the approach is just like, well, this is art and this is what they're saying. It's their play, not mine. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to go and do what I can. But it turned out it wasn't as bad as what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. If you're representing... You're just representing the artist's vision there. Right. right. I didn't write the play, uh-huh. but the community's doing this. I'm going to help them put on a good play. Right. Well, that makes sense. For whatever it is. Now, I do think that, boy, that play would have been a lot better if they had just had her have some sort of a conversion. Right. And they sort of almost, 
they almost go there, but they don't right. at all. They clearly don't. They hint at it. She's got a Bible under her pillow and she says she, you know, values her sisters. Yeah. But, but it, in the end, it's like, what did that character learn through that experience? And I don't know that she learned anything. Right. Other than. This guy's better than I guess the other guy. are nice people. Yes. I guess was what she learned. Uh-huh. And maybe you should have nice friends. I don't know. It, it's kind of a weird, but I guess that's the modern musical is you can't really have any sort of a moral, you know, modern everything. Modern everything. Right. And so I think, you know, I, th- boy, if she had had a, con- you know, if this play was made, you know, 30 years ago when it's set, I think she would have had a conversion and it would have been a really powerful play. Yes. But not these days. Right. Now it's just like, uh. I'll get my fancy dress anyway. And then, I mean, it just, there's, there's no, there's no real growth in any of the characters. I mean, well, she chooses the nice policeman guy instead of the crummy murderer. Yeah. That's, that's her growth. That's her growth. And then mother superior learns, um, that things it's okay to, uh, to (laughs) let me think how to word this. It's okay to compromise on uh, your positions on liturgical style as long as it makes money. Right. <laughs> yes, Mother Mother Superior's lesson is very odd and modern. I don't know. And not very I got what Catholic. I wanted out of all of it, so that's okay uh, because they saved the church because they made money. Uh-huh. But I don't think she never really felt comfortable with that. Yeah, it's a weird play. I don't yeah. know. It's a, and, but then also there's, you don't know if, if, I feel like it was written by people that, that weren't really super familiar with Catholicity and just like read the Wikipedia pages. Right. On yes. Different things and then wrote the lyrics based on that. Yeah. I felt that way too, because they would talk about services and, um, you could one hymn per service and just. Well, that sort of makes sense. I didn't think you, it made sense. You could do the communion preparation hymn each service. I thought that was okay. But there was a lot of uh, buzzwords in the lyrics, Catholic buzzwords, that some of them worked and some of them were like, you don't really understand what those words mean. Uh. Other than other than it's funny to put them in that context. Mm-hmm. And I get that. But I don't know. But then they, they talked about the folk mass thing. And so maybe they do know what's going on. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't hear the lyrics that clearly. So, I mean, you had a lot more experience with the lyrics than I did, having heard them more than once. Yeah, I mean, I I, I got the impression these people are, I mean, I don't think it was written by anybody that had any idea about Catholicism, but maybe they, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't do a proper research before this of all the people that were involved in the writing of that play. Now, how, when was this play written? Do you know? Oh man, I want to say 2003. It was in London. Our version. So that after we the did, movie. Oh yeah, no, the, yeah, it's based on the movie. Oh. Oh yeah, it's completely based on the movie. Not I the, figured the movie came from the play. No, be, remember because the movie was all she. They were singing pop tunes in the yes. church. Yeah. If if the movie was based on the play, they would have sang the Broadway songs. That's true. Okay. So yeah, no, it was it was based on the movie. And loosely based on the movie. Right. Very loosely. And so I want to say 2003, but. uh, Okay. Well, that makes more sense then. And and then our version was from just the 2013 American tour version is the version we did. Okay. I always find that odd. Like, can't we, 
Aren't there not enough ideas that we have to base movies on plays and plays on movies? And I understand movies based on plays more because there are so many people that can't get to Broadway. So I kind of like it when they do a movie. Right. But a musical based on a movie. But apparently Little Shop of Horrors is based on a movie. Did you know that? Well, just because you told me. And that musical came out in 82. So the movie we know was based on the musical, but there was a movie before that the musical was based on it. And I haven't gotten to look up what year that movie came out. But yeah, it says right on the front. It's copyright 1982, 1983, based on the film. Hmm. And it's always happened. Yeah. It's nothing new. So otherwise for Faith, it's Holy Week. We like to watch The Way of the Cross and stuff from Rome, but it's going to be disrupted this week. I don't know. It bothered me that most of the nuns wore the rosaries correctly, but there were several that would put, they'd put them around their neck. Oh. And like she gave uh, Darren when he was dressed up at the Pope at, as the Pope at the end, like she made sure he had a rosary around his neck. And it's like, you don't wear a rosary around the neck because you can't use it if it's around your neck, that sort of thing. But I didn't say anything because I just be so. I didn't, I noticed them all on their belts, so. I didn't see they had Yeah, there was a couple. Sister Mary Robert wore hers around her neck, and Mother Superior wore hers around her neck. More of them wore them on their belts as the play progressed from, you know, the week before, but there were still a couple exceptions. Huh. That's interesting. It's a common misconception. Yes. That it's a necklace or something. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it should be a necklace. Right. It looks like a necklace. Yeah. It's a beaded circle. Oh, and the... Monsignor had a huge rosary that he wore around his neck, which is actually really kind of cool. And I wonder where they got it. Did you notice that? I didn't. Yeah. He had a crazy huge one that came all the way down to his waist that was all wooden. It was really cool. I've seen those like for hanging on the wall. Maybe they took a wall rosary and... I'm guessing that's what it is. Had him wear it. I thought it was funny how she pronounced... Monsignor. Yeah, well, yeah, because I don't think she did that at first, but then she started to, but then he pronounced it correctly, or what I think, I don't, well, I don't know how. Yeah, I mean, when I was little, we said Monsignor Tima. Yeah. So that's how we said it here in Kansas. I don't know but if that's she, the right way to say it. She choice to say Monsignor. Uh-huh. And where she got that, I don't know. Yeah. It was interesting. I've never heard, like, uh, a pope say it. He would probably know, right? Yeah, now Monsignors are sort of, you know, poo-pooed in the church. They don't, I don't think they're poo-pooed. They're... Because he still made some people Monsignors. Yeah, but it's a lot harder to become a Monsignor. Right, so it's the be. opposite of poo-pooed. Oh, okay. I don't know what word that would be. I don't, it's elevated. I don't know. That makes sense, though. There's a lot less Monsignors than there used to be. Or yeah. a lot less are being made than used to be. The production capacity has gone down for Monsignors. Right. So that makes it more valuable. Oh, you're coming into Holy Week? Yeah. Thoughts on Holy Week? No, I, th- I think that we won't make it to Holy Thursday or Good Friday. So that's always kind of sad. We could go to Good Friday for your birthday. Birthday Mass. or not, No, it's not Mass. But yeah. Birthday service. And I thought Abby would be home. Like, I go, to, I go to church for my birthday every year. Yes. And I love it. Right. So maybe you should love it too. And it's just, you know, luck of the draw that it's Good Friday and not Christmas. Right. <laughs> so that'll just be a different kind of Holy Week. Yeah. But it'll still be good. I hope so. It'll yeah. be good. Easter Vigil makes up for a lot of things. Easter Vigil is really good. Well, how was Palm Sunday Mass for you? It was a lot. We didn't have the middle children. We had the oldest and youngest. And you still ended up in the cry room. Yeah. How was that? It was, it was nice. 
in the cry room. There were three or four other families. I had a nice time with Anna in church, although you should not um, do a play super late in the role and have to pack up your drums afterwards and then drive home and then have to go to Palm Sunday Mass because that is a really long service when you're tired. It's a really long long service service if you're not tired, but if you're tired... Oh, Anna said something interesting during... During the reading of the gospel, or the the second reading, which was from Philippians, and she wanted to look up and see where it was from, because she said it sounded like like it was written in the same style or something as Talmud, because we just listened to that Inquisitor's Tale that talks about the Talmud. Right. And um, so I showed her where it was, and uh, or maybe it was the psalm then... Because the psalm was talking, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me, was the psalm that we sang. Okay. And it um, talked about casting lots and all of the th- things. Oh, I totally wasn't paying attention during the them sing part. Right. Anyway, so then I just mentioned I that there are a lot of things in the Old Testament that prophesy what is going to happen with Jesus. It was Jesus. also sort of envying our nurse's husband the whole time because he had fallen asleep. <laughs> I was like, I wish I could fall asleep. <laughs> anyway, so I pointed out that there were things in the Old Testament that pointed to Jesus. Right. And she said, well, if that, then how come everybody didn't know? Why didn't all the Jews know that it was Jesus then? So I said, well, you know, he didn't look like what people expected him to look like. He didn't do what people expected the Messiah to do. And so it can be really hard to see, you know. And she said, well... I'm really lucky then that I grew up in a Christian family. Uh-huh. I thought that was an interesting observation that just to notice at 11 that what you're growing up in and what you're taught and affects how you see the world. Right. No, not everyone has that the same upbringing and viewpoint as you. Right. And even if they disagree with you or maybe particularly because they disagree with you. Yeah. Not doesn't mean that they're, that, that they're bad or or dumb, or it's just... Or all... in crazy church where I grew up, I felt like everybody was dumb, but us is how I felt like I was taught. Yeah, that's different. Yeah. So I feel lucky that my children are Catholic. You mean Psalm 22? I mean, that's what the, the psalm was. Well, what does Psalm 22 say? Well, it's, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? All who see me scoff me, they mock, scoff at me. They mock me with parted lips. They wag their heads. He relied on the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him if he loves him. Indeed, many dogs surround me. A pack of evildoers closes in upon me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They divide my garments among them. And for my vesture, they cast lots. But you, O Lord, be not far from me. O my help, hasten to aid me. I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, give glory to him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. Yes. So Anna was very perplexed that that was in the Old Testament. Since it's clearly about Jesus. Right. Yes. Psalm 22 is good stuff. And, yeah, I mean, it is, I always find it uh, a compelling example of how we don't know. Like, I should never think that I know something, that I fully understand something. Because, yes, all the Jewish people had that and didn't all recognize 
that Jesus was the fulfillment of that. Well, how could you? Right. Even if you did have it. Right. You just saw a guy get crucified, which probably something they saw. I mean, it's not like he's the only person that got crucified. Yes. How many people got crucified? Right. A lot. Right. So it's not like even... So my point is, you should never be... And they, I mean, I don't know how many Facebook memes they were passing around about Jesus either. <laughs> yeah. So if you weren't there and you didn't know him and you didn't, I mean, sure, there's some crazy guy out there and they just killed him. Well, how many crazy people did they kill six months ago? You know? Yeah. So humility. Humility and thankfulness. Yes. And just, and compassion. Well, I mean, that's one of the biggest things for me coming, converting to Catholicism or reverting, depending on who you talk to about it. For me, it was a very humbling experience um, because coming from the background of we're right and everybody else is wrong. And then, you know, in order to join the Catholic Church, you have to say that, yeah, I believe that what you teach is right. And I'm just going to jump on board and see where this crazy train goes. And I'm going to, you know, if I disagree with something, I'm just going to sort of deal with it. And maybe I don't ever get over it. But it doesn't mean I'm getting off the train. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just in it for the long haul, and I'm going to pray that God guides the church and defer to the church in its teachings, even if I can't seem to wrap my head around it. It's a lot different than I like what this pastor said on Sunday, so I'm going to go back to his church next week. Oh, he said something I didn't like. Uh, I bet there's a different church I could go to. I bet they'd let me play drums at it. I think... That sort of approach feels really scary to me, just because you have to trust your own brain so much. Right, where you're just picking based on what you like. Well, what if I'm dumb and wrong? And most likely I am dumb and wrong. And, you know, uh, the, what, the way we think about the world shifts according to our experiences and, and what we read and who we know and who we talk to. And it's all just so changeable. The sand shifts under your feet all the time. So I like that there's, I like that the church is just really old and big and steady and slow. And I trust that God's guiding it. So that helps. Well, and then you just have the whole thing of, you know, all the terrible things that happened, but that maybe God was still guiding it. Just like in the Old Testament, we believe that God was guiding Israel, even though, man, there's a lot of crazy stuff that went on right. in the Old Testament. Yeah, like uh, Jennifer Fulweiler said that. For her, when she was converting the the priest scandals in the United States, were actually a good example of why the church was real and you could trust it because um, because all this bad stuff happened and the church kept going. Right. And if it if it weren't real, then all the bad things through the centuries would have destroyed it. Right. So yeah, the a big. Then you mean the big starting point for me was just papal succession. Just the fact that, you know, because I was taught that, you know, they made up the papacy in the 800s and, you know, it's all just a made up deal. But then, no, we actually can name all of them back to Peter. Mm-hmm. Peter was succeeded by Linus, who was succeeded by number three, who I don't remember off the top of my head. But <laughs> so you need was to that learn Clement? them all. Clement was three or four, I think. Okay. But that's why, you know, the death of John Paul II was so important for me. And when they elected Benedict, it was just being able to watch that whole process that I'd never seen before. And no one our age had seen before. 
Yeah, which is kind of amazing. Yeah. John Paul II was a long time. Yeah. So Easter Vigil will be three years that I've been a fully initiated Catholic. Yeah, I was wondering last night how many years it was. I couldn't remember. 2014. Okay. Right? I mean, I really can never remember. Pretty sure it's 20. Hey, so three years. So you're you're a toddler. <laughs> Me and Teddy. <laughs> Church. No wonder you spend so much time out in the oh, lobby. <laughs> I just poke him till he cries so that I can leave. Uh-huh. So three years in, how do you, anything feel different? I mean, it feels different. Yeah, all the time. You know, they talked about um, in RCI or a, I don't know, podcast I listened to or something. They talked a lot about how the desiring of going to mass in the Eucharist, I guess. Okay. What, what about that? So when I was growing up, like, I just didn't like going to church and I didn't really like going to church, you know, except if I could play the drums and then really I just like playing the drums. And then the rest of it was just like, how long till I can leave or play the drums again? Whereas now I find myself like, Hey, I'm in Manhattan by myself. I bet I could go to mass tonight at the college right? and doing that like for fun. That's really weird to go to church for fun. Yeah, and specifically to go to boring old Catholic Mass for fun. Uh-huh. You know, because there's, there's no drums. There's no... Right, but really feeling There's no pop drawn. music. You know why people don't like going to church? Because it's a drag. That's a line from Sister Act. Right. But the idea that even if it is a drag, it's still fun to go to. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I... So you're finding that to be true, a draw to the Eucharist and to Mass. Yeah, and like if I miss, like, you know, if Katie's sick or something and I end up staying home, I really miss it. Uh-huh. And that's weird. Interesting. Yeah, I would agree. It's one of my favorite things when we are out of town and we go to Mass. Yeah, and that's why I was tempted to go to, to Mass in Liberal before the play on Saturday, but then mm-hmm. realized that it was Palm Sunday Mass and to the play on time. Right. And I'd have daydreams about orchestrating our lives in such a way that I could go to daily mass. It is fun. The problem is for us is it would take like twice the time to drive there and back than it would to actually be in the mass. Right. Yeah. But maybe someday. But it was super fun on my business trip to wake up early and walk down the three blocks and go to mass and uh-huh. go back to my meeting. Yeah. Well, it's really nice to have you at church with us. Whereas, you know, when I was a Protestant, if you're out of town, that's free time. And if you're on vacation, you don't go to church. Right. Hardly ever. Yeah. And I think it's one of the highlights of vacation now. And I remember very clearly all the different churches we've been to. One of the things I look forward to the most. Like on vacation, you have more time to go to Mass. Because you don't have all the stuff in the way. But maybe we're just crazy people. Well. Well, that will do it for this edition of Our Lady of the Cry Room podcast. I'm Matthew. You are? I'm Betsy. And it's Holy Week, everybody. Um, which you're probably not even listening to this during the Holy Week, but I hope it's a good one. Happy Easter. No. No. No, you take that back. Okay, take it back. Edit it out. It's not. It's not Easter. But if they're listening on Easter, but you still shouldn't even say it yet? I mean, no, it's okay. not Easter. Okay, it's not Easter. You take that back. I, I can't believe you even said it. I'm sorry, I was trying to be... Next thing you're going to say the A word. No. Oh, I thought of another thing I was going to tell you. Okay. Which was... I overheard these kids talking in the library. Uh They were looking at the biographies, and they pulled out a biography of Bill Clinton. Uh And one of the kids says, Bill Clinton, who's that? And the other girl said, oh, that's Hillary Clinton's husband. (laughs) (laughs) That's a win for feminism? I don't know. It really made me laugh. Uh, Oh, my gosh.
Winton for history. <laughs> what? Because they don't know. I mean, it's way before when they were born. So that's a funny story. You know, just put that in somewhere. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> okay. Happy Holy Week. So, from both of us, have a good Holy Week. And have a blessed Easter when it gets here. But not before. Not before. Amen. Bye. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, I'm back with a quick postscript to today's episode. If you are listening and you would like to send us some feedback about something we've talked about today or have a question about farming or anything else under the sun, then there is a way you can get a hold of us. And I'm here with Jimmy. And Jimmy, now you can say your part. Go. Feedback at our radio of the crime room. Okay, now try to say it again, but don't yell so much. Feedback at ourradioofthecryingroom.com. That's right. You can send us your feedback to feedback at ourladyofthecryroom.com. Thank you, Jimmy. You're welcome. Our Lady of the Cry Room, pray for us.